0: Welcome to Catacomb Theology, a podcast exploring all manners of Christianity as it relates to the church and world of today, as well as how it is related to the church and world of the past. I am your host, Jean Castile, and joining me today is Josiah Swales, as we will be discussing the Osbury Revival, going into the definitions of what a revival actually is, discussing about what happened, um, the script- scriptural basis for their quote-unquote revival, Um, We're just going to be going into all the different manners and aspects and theological nuances that should be looked at when talking about what happened at Asbury. So without further ado, we have the Osbury Revival of God or of Man. All right. Yeah. So we're talking about, I think it was how do you pronounce it, Osbury or Osbury. I, Osbury, I
1: pronounce it asbury
0: asbury yeah, yeah. asbury asbury whichever one yeah. um so yeah they just recently had a revival and i'm gonna try to disclaimer this this episode with you know um i'm gonna try to be fair impartial and unbiased as best i can honestly i didn't even really want to do this until i was able to physically go there that was the goal um however uh <laughs> it ended too quickly the <laughs> lord forgive me
1: um <clears throat> i was thinking going be one of my questions i like i was looking i can't find any like sources that say it definitively ended so i was wondering is it still going on i'm guessing yeah not-
0: that's that's other thing. Apparently they moved it. I'm not sure, but I'm going to try to we're gonna get into it. Yeah, we're going to get into it. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to presuppose or kind of give kind of the background again. I am Anglican, um, which everyone should know at this point. You know, Josiah is Lutheran. So, you know, we're classical Protestants. So things, you know, conducted in the way that you know, Osbury kind of conducted things, you know, there's, there's, I think the sacramentalist said it best you know, you extend a yes. And then you also, you extend a no, like there's a, there's a yes. And there's a no, there may be more no's than a yes, but you know, there's yeses in there at some point. Um, again, we weren't there physically. So obviously our opinion is going to be a little bit more, Distance-based, you know, we won't have the firsthand experience that some people do have, but we'll do our best. So anyway, first question. I think it's important.
1: There are there are probably more nos than yeses, but the nos are not just based off of oh they're doing things like there are reasons for the nos that go beyond that go beyond. Yeah, they're just doing it differently than you, and you don't like that. Well, yeah. it goes a lot
0: deeper so exactly so and that's why we have questions to ground the the no's and the yes's to separate them from you know the wheat and the tares so question. so we're gonna so the first thing is kind of like what is a revival um you know, um, I kind of brought more like a, a practical, more practical answer. You know, like for instance, like so, the dictionary, Merriam-Webster's dictionary, kind of describes what revival as, um, excuse me, um, as a or it's like there's there's multiple definitions. So there's one, there's it's an act or instance of reviving <laughs> the state of being revived. Such as being renewed, uh, such as renewed attention to or interest in something, uh, be a new presentation or publication of something old, um, see a period of renewed religious interest, uh, an often highly emotional evangelistic meeting or series of meetings, and then there's another one that's kind of like restoration of force validity or effect. Now, my personal definition of a revival, kind of what me and my wife have been kind of talking about over time as this whole thing has happened, we kind of, our definition is more of a a series of spiritual events that cause lasting cultural and personal repentance and change. That's kind of how I define a revival. And if you kind of look at like revivals that are memorable in, you know, at least in American um, history and even a little bit of English history, I'll say like a tab of English um, revivals in the more recent centuries have been, have kind of had like a dual effect. You know, you've had, there's been a, a cultural impact that's lasted for a long while. Um, it's been marked by um, true repentance, changing of people's lives and, um, Gospel preaching, you know, law and gospel kind of being taught, people being people who were dead in their sins, you know, people who are, you know, had no interest in Christ before all of a sudden coming to Christ. I mean, and it's not just, you know, limited to the modern era. I mean, you go back to when Christianity in Rome, I mean, we can go back to the early church fathers. I mean, that technically was a revival, it was fast spreading. You know, it changed the culture, you know, things were be things that were done, you know, in a paganistic way were all of a sudden being changed. England, you know, when the uh, Cappadocian fathers sent the missionaries up there into the to Britannia and they converted England, not England, but Britannia and that entire area, you know, all these monasteries being put up. So revival usually has that aspect you know there's there's always kind of a dual there is a revival of the spirit in the sense of there's a renewed religious fervor among the faithful and then there is a cultural change as the renewed uh, renewed spirit among the faithful pours out into the uh dare i say the dead souls in the culture basically Um, So that's how I would kind of describe a revival, at least to my knowledge. All
1: right. Yeah, I mean, I would agree that in the religious sense that like, yes, revival is this sort of um, renewal of like religious fervor. Where I would differ a bit is to say that a revival is something that can or that is defined by people coming to faith because when you think of revival the the word itself indicates that something is being revived something that was there already right so mm-hmm. let's say i were you know a lukewarm christian right i mm-hmm. was was you know um sort of going at it uh religiously fervorous right became lukewarm and then there was something in me that was revived right that was already there the word that we have for you know people coming to faith would be you know regenerate they don't need to be revived they need to be regenerated recreated entirely so i would say that the revival would stay as something that is, you know, in the church, but, you know, obviously that revival can then, I mean, and I think you said this, it kind of like overpours. So now you have these religiously fervorous people going out and preaching the law and gospel. And then through that word, people are being regenerated. But I would say the revival is for the church. Mm -hmm. And when when we look, because then, well, we say that revival is for the church, and then we have to ask the question, well, like, what does it look like then? So, I would look at, I'd go to scripture, first of all, to see, like, what does a religious revival look like in scripture? And there are actually a couple examples in the Old Testament specifically. Um, You look at King Josiah, right? That's Josiah was in the time of Jeremiah, right before the exile into Babylon. And right before their exile into Babylon, Israel what Israel and Judah both were just absurd. They had idols in the synagogue, they had, they had male cult prostitutes working in the in the temple. They had, it was absurd. <clears throat> they had a poles, which were basically like the quote-unquote wives for Yahweh. So it's just gone completely off the rails. But then Josiah, when renovating the temple, discovers the Torah, the law, the word of God. He's reading it and then that's what sparks him going out, destroying all of the idols in Israel and sort of cleansing the temple and cleansing the faith from what it had become eventually it slips back into what it was doing, but that you see that sort of um, revival of fervor in Josiah, and then it, it spreads into the nation. But what started that was him finding the word of God. And it was a return to what was, what, what is true worship of God, apart from what, what they were doing at the time. So I think as <clears throat> classical Protestants, we need to be asking because the Word of God is our foundation. Like that was the biggest contention during the Reformation, and that it, and it is still where we <clears throat> find ourselves, you know, building off of, and you know, especially solo scriptura Protestants. This is like our our rule and our our authority. So when we're looking at this revival, classical Protestants should the first thing that they should be saying is. Where and how is the word of God being preached? Because if it's not, or if it's being preached incorrectly, if it's a different word, well, then how do we have any confidence that this is the work of God? So I think that's where it needs to start. You, and it's difficult. You see the people, you know, obviously they seem so ecstatic and they seem so, um. Hold on one second. <sighs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I was I literally told people not to bother me while I am doing this, but I'll start this point over. What classical Protestants should be asking themselves is where and how is the word of God being preached? If it's a different word, or if it's not being preached at all, well, then you know that something else is going on here. So it's difficult, but you have to look away from the people jumping up and down, raising their hands, looking like they're on fire for Jesus. And you and you need to look at the <clears throat> word that's being preached because that's it's honestly kind of disappointing when i see other classical protestants look like they just look at the surface and like what they think is going on what they see just with what's in front of them and they think oh this is great people people are really getting into it this is a great thing well where's the word and you can You can find there, I think, again, I don't know anything after like the initial 11 days that the revival's been going on. They've moved it, I guess. But what started it, the sermon that started it, you can find it on YouTube. It was so law heavy, which isn't a bad thing. It was actually a pretty good sermon for the most part. It was, um, you know, basically just laying down the law, saying that you cannot keep this, and you are not, right? So it was very heavy on the law, but what never came at all was the gospel. Here's, here's what it came, Here, here's how it ended. If you want the love of God, you have to experience the love of God. That's a, That's a direct quote. What does that mean? I have no idea. I have absolutely absolutely no idea how I'm supposed to experience the love of God if I don't even have it in the first place. Right. So there was no gospel. It was all law. So you don't have the fullness of the word. You have a perverted gospel. The word isn't there. (laughs) (laughs) So make your own Based off everything I just said. Come to your own conclusions about what I'm implying. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I definitely. Yeah, I definitely. I I see what you're saying. I I get that. I get. I get that. Um. That point. Um, and I do like your emphasis on you know that it 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 starts in the church. You know that's a very yeah, you know, that's a very important thing that uh, I think, you know, almost gives it another level of, what's some, what am I thinking of? Kind of a, a tier, if that, not not a tier, but a, ah, uh, oh, goodness. A progression. A standard. There we go. No, 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 a standard. Like there's okay. a standard of the revival because it comes from the church, you know, so because it's coming from the church, you know, and, you know, the Lord working through his church, then there's there's a higher standard of what the revival is. And it's, you know, and we're not trying to make it sound as if, you know, oh, you know, let people, you know, just love God. Or why do you have to put, you know, so much headiness on something, you know, as to most people probably seems like so basic as just worshiping God. Like, why can't I just worship God? That's the and thing. That's it. And that's the, yeah, exactly.
1: But <laughs> how are we worshiping God? What God are we worshiping?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Um, so that's that's really what we want to get at. Yeah. If it is true worship, if it is true revival, then I think personally it would look like what King Josiah did in the old testament. It would be a return to orthodoxy, mm-hmm. right faith. Right. It would be, <laughs> I think it's important to mention that this is a Methodist revival. A very, very liberal, at a very liberal school, which the Methodist denomination itself is very mainline to begin mm-hmm. with. If this were a true revival, I think that the Methodist denomination would just be dismantling itself. Like <laughs> honestly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And, I, and that is a topic that deserves an episode in and of itself. Like what is worship? I think that is the biggest miss. I think that is one of the biggest knock like that's one of the things that brought me out of the Baptist non-denominational tradition was just that question alone. You know, it's like what is worship? you know, worship is not, you know, and this this also ties into, like, what is a revival? Because at the end of the day, too, revival and worship is very closely knit together. So, you know, you have to know what worship is in order to also know what a revival should be, because they're intertwined. Yeah. You know, so if your worship is not biblical worship, you know, what does worship look like biblically? You know, like, for instance, I, you know, we do the daily office as Anglicans, and we read the psalms every day you know twice a day technically um and as i you know as i'm reading the psalms more because that's a book of the bible i never read growing up it was one of those boring books with um along with uh lamentations and leviticus and jeremiah my gosh so you know to me you know i never, I never wrote them there were there wasn't a storyline to me it was just words but now as i read them you know i I I sit and I'm like, oh my gosh, worship is not about, like when I read the Psalms, King David and and Moses and whoever was writing the song was not concerned at all about themselves ever. I mean, it is only like, is simply just sitting there. Half of, more than half of them is just sitting there giving praise the entire time. Praise and thanks the entire time. And as I read it and as I worship and as I pray, I realize, oh my gosh, this is so much more fulfilling than any song I ever sang or any, you know, uh, emotionalistic outpouring of goosebumps, you know, in the, you know, because because I know it's like the goosebumps you know when the piano hits that E minor just right, and you know the guitar is playing that C and that major lift hits, and you know you hear the voices kind of whispering over the lines, and and the and the people are singing, and it's almost this this it's this existential high that you're sitting there, and it's just like you you feel like you know if this is what the spirit feels like, you know my whole body's reacting to it. This is what it is. I can see why. I think the pianist at Osbury played for six hours straight. I mean, six hours straight. That's commendable. As a pianist myself, that's commendable. I will will give her that. Granted, she wasn't doing much more than the same couple of chord progressions, but still that's commendable. Six hours, that's tough.
1: That's tough. I played piano as well. I've practiced for six hours. One time, I looked down at the keys and there was blood. Like, it's real. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it is. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's a tough so thing to do. <laughs> yeah.
0: So again, that I, I understand that, but and again, and and worship is another thing that, and this goes into another a more bigger issue. You know, it's like the personalness of worship and belief. You know, I think that's the core reason why Christians have such a hard time rejecting false teaching today, because people are intimate with their heresies and they're intimate with their incorrect worship so we don't want to say you know like for instance us like i'm sure i have plenty of people i know who probably listen to this and be like oh my gosh he's just you know whatever but that's not the case we have to address everything with discernment of the spirit because if we don't will be sitting around just letting the church get more to the point that it already is at which is what like redeem zoomer is or richard i can't i can't call him that and take him seriously no offense richard but richard what richard's trying to do um at least fight back against which is wonderful but yeah that's that's how i kind of that's how i kind of
1: see it hey. no, i mean the thing is if we did just look at that and be like oh that's wonderful that's great that they're worshiping that way whatever they want to do we'd be in direct violation of what paul tells or what um john tells us to do in first John: test every spirit mm-hmm. test everything so and i mean <clears throat> So, so that's the thing. Who, who is the spirit? What is the spirit? These are all questions that go into revival. Is the spirit a person, a person of the Trinity, or is he a force, an energy mm-hmm. that you feel that you experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these things go into into whether or not the revival is legit, whether or not it's the spirit of God or a spirit. So they're not just, they're not just heady questions. But...
0: Mm-hmm. And, before I like, and before I like segue into the other question, I also want to bring up, you know, it's not just us. Like I, I was watching some of the other night, you know, Answers in Genesis, you heard of Answers in Genesis before. Yeah. Um, they were doing an interview on it and they had like a panel and they were all talking about the Osbury revival and everything. And they said what me and my wife have been talking about the entire time. He was, he, you know, he extended his yeses. He was like, you know, it's a really big thing. You know, thousands of people have gone down. But he's like, you know, you, he's like, you hear the people talking at the revivals and you hear the interviews and the kids, you know, the kids at these different revivals that have sprung up across, you know, the country and stuff. And he's like, you just, he's like, there's just something not right. You know, he's like, there's just, there's more He said, what was the words he used? I believe he said, um, he said, you listen to him and you can hear they're trying to be, um, they're playing the part, basically, is what he was saying. He said, you can hear a lot of people were playing the part, which again, not all people, like, I don't want to say like, not all people probably didn't, you know, because like, again, even if, even if, you know, like God says, you know, his word doesn't come back to him void so i'm even if there, even if there's a little bit a little bit of him in there you know there can't something can't happen because it's really him more than it is us so i'm not going to deny that someone and so some people could have legitimately changed their hearts which is which would have been wonderful or you know had a come you know, to use a baptist term a come to jesus moment but <clears throat> you know It's, I instantly just get red flags the moment I see that kind of, that style and not really necessarily just the style, but just the way it was done, you know, the lack of the gospel, like you were saying, you know, like there were testimonies. I remember that, you know, there's testimonies, there was singing there was worshiping, there were breakout groups, but I'm like, okay, but who knew what they were talking about? You know, what is being taught? Well, that's um, most,
1: I don't know how much experience you have with charismaticism, like very charismatic worship, but that's yeah, too much. Too much. Yeah. I mean, I've been to, I mean, I've been consecutively to churches like that. I've been to, the farthest on the spectrum, like five hour long Pentecostal services, like that's ninety percent of what's going on is people see what other people do around them, and monkey see monkey do basically. Mm-hmm. they're playing the it's mostly what it is,
0: yeah, and I like what you said, you said you know there's a re- it's a return to orthodoxy, you know, there's yeah. a it's return. To Christianity, Christianity, contrary to common belief, is not all fun and games. I'm sorry, it's <laughs> not. contrary to common belief, like right now we're in Lent right now. You know, most of the most of, most of the Christendom in the world is like Lent. What's that? You mean Lent? No, not <laughs> that's, Lent. That's, Lent.
1: You know, I mean stuff I take out of my dryer.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like that's just, but like as I'm, this is my first Lent, and I tell you what, it's tough. But like it it's like for and, and this is and this I I'll go to the next question after this. But like I was talking to my my wife the other day and I was like I I love the fact that you know using the whole of the church calendar, I was like, it's amazing. I, I I'm I was like I can't believe that I went my whole life just celebrating Christmas. You know, and I almost feel like that's such a that's such a testimony to just kind of how the non-denominational sometimes Baptist but most Baptist you know mindset is you know that it's it's about the the joy and the joy is good the joy is not bad joy is yeah. heavily emphasized in scripture scriptural joy I might add but
1: which doesn't always look like happiness.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um but there's a there's a time and I'd say a necessary time like the Psalms. Like again, not all the Psalms are just about praising. Not all the Psalms are just about sorrow. You know, the Psalms is a re- are a really good example like of everything you're supposed to have. There's anger, there's hurt, there's reflecting on justice. There's reflecting on joy. There's reflecting on you know what the Lord took away from you on on punishment. You know, like chastisement. There is reflection in worshiping God in every single aspect, and it's important for the Christian to do that because if you don't, you're only focusing on one aspect and you're missing out on a whole bunch of other ones. But so that, but I, I I'll go into the next one where you know kind of like what after all that you know what kind of revival was would we kind of define happened at Asbury? You know, what was what they did, you know? And I, I mean honestly you could probably go first I didn't talk too much on that one.
1: Yeah I mean again from how I would understand revival and how I see it biblically in scripture I'm just not, I'm just not seeing that. Like I said, this is a Methodist college. This is a very, very progressive college. They ordain female pastors. They um, basically excuse gay marriage and, and all of the such. And none of that was coming up. None of that was being addressed. You have some of the you know, you have some of the students coming up and like, you know, confessing, which is very ironic because a lot of these evangelicals would squirm at like a private confession with a priest, but somehow they can get up on a stage and tell an entire audience of people <laughs> that <they> sins. <sinned. laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that was happening, but there wasn't, you'd really have to follow up with these people afterwards and see like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, how how has your confession gone? You really there's really no way, no way of knowing. Um, but
0: that I is, mean, I, if I might interject, that is so true. Like there, there is no um, there's no um, like what you said. Like you gotta, you gotta follow up. Like yeah. repentance is a really big part of it you know, yeah. you gotta check revival. On fruits, exactly. On you got to check on the fruits. Yeah. And what I find really interesting, you know, with, again, and uh, I say Baptist, and when I say Baptist, I mean more of the doctrine that they hold, unless, yeah. not necessarily Baptist, because again, the Baptist doctrine is held by a lot. And Wesleyan theology is really close to to, not traditionally, is not traditionally Baptist, but as it stands right now, it's a little bit more non-denominational. So I'll go a little bit more non-denominational because that's kind of what was going on there. Um, but, you know, they kind of hold and even still, you know, Baptist non-denominational, the whole, you know, kind of the, the once saved, always saved kind of mantra. So I I just thought, you know, like when you brought up and you got to go follow up, you know, people will sit there and just, you know, just... Straight up watch what's happening, and be like, "Oh, that's wonderful!" You know, all these people just coming to Christ, and all these people changing their hearts, right? And they'll look at us probably with the more and other people who probably are having the same opinions. You know, they'll look at us like we're more pessimistic. You know, squishing, squa extremely. yeah, extremely. You know, squashing the spirit. I'm not even you know? ashamed of it. Yeah, yeah, you know, squashing the spirit. And, and but I'm like, okay, so why is it okay? It why is it okay to automatically assume? That their conversion
1: was genuine. Yeah, there wasn't any baptizing happening. There wasn't
0: any baptism. Nothing was happening. Their conversion was genuine, but it's not okay for me to question the validity of their conversion. But here's the thing, too. Like you said, when you said follow up, if I was to follow up with one of them and they had they had, you know, been strangled by the world, like the like the like the we. Like the seed in the parable Jesus told, you know. And if I went to that same person who was upset for me questioning, they go, "Oh, well, they were never saved in the first place." I swear, I would, I would, I would. There's no way to win. You can't.
1: There's no
0: way. No, exactly. Like why? But like again, think about that. Why is that okay? Why is it that it it almost sounds more like a cop out? You know, this kind of reaches back to the episode we did on falling from grace, like there's there's an there's a this in this there's a um a discrepancy there that needs to be addressed but anyway go ahead i cut you off go ahead
1: um, so i mean and then again the question is what is this sort of like what would we call this mm-hmm. and, uh, again like can i'm kind of conflicted because mm-hmm. I'm confident that what started this, the gospel was not present. And how do cr- Christian worship is done in the gospel, right? True. The True. law is not Christian worship. If God demands that we do something and we think that we're able to do it and we offered our works to him, well, then we're just worshiping in pride. Or now we realize we can't do it. And now we're worshiping, I guess, you wouldn't even be able to worship. You'd be fleeing in despair, terrified, because you can't do what he tells you to do. But God desires that we worship in faith. That's why that's that's why Hebrews 11 says that, you know, um, God only accepts what is done in faith. It is faith that glorifies our worship, and that is how God desires to be worshiped. And from a Lutheran perspective, what produces faith? The gospel, the word of the gospel. And and Paul would be right there with us saying this in Romans. You know, faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. And that word of God that he's talking about in the context is the gospel. He's been giving the gospel almost entirely throughout Romans. So it is the gospel that produces faith. And what does faith do? It receives Christ. So that is Lutheran worship, really, is we receive gifts from God. We receive baptism. We receive the absolution. We receive the Lord's Supper. We receive his word preached. And then we take that gift and we respond in praise. Mm -hmm. So if those things aren't there, the gospel, the sacraments, right preaching of the gospel, well, then how how, how are you... How are you responding in faith? How are you worshiping in faith? It would be my theory. And this is just a personal theory. I haven't really hit anyone up with this or looked into it. But what happens with the law when you only preach the law? And again, the the sermon that started this whole thing off was really good when it came to the law. It was solid. Mm -hmm. Like I can I can bash Methodists, but the dude who preached this sermon did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is what that does now is you look when you don't have the gospel, right? You don't have anything objectively to look outside of yourself for. You don't have anything to, for your faith to cling on to. And The only other option, if not outside of yourself, you got to look, you got to go inside. So now you've got this pain from the law that's telling you you're a sinner. And if you don't clean up your ways, you're damned. Mm -hmm. And you've got nothing to numb the pain. You've got nothing to the Christ. The physician is not there to give you medicine in the gospel. So what do you do? Well, you create your own numbing agent through emotional, Mm. so you escape inwards into yourself, which would be a primary distinctive of Gnosticism would be an escape from the outside into the self, but you escape inside, you realize there's pain from the law and you come up with your own sort of cure and and that's done through fanatic, emotional, spiritual highs, Mm -hmm. essentially. (laughs) um that's my theory of like psychologically what is probably going on um but also yeah that's all I've got (laughs) (laughs) oh I remember okay I remembered I remembered okay here it is Mm -hmm. and again I I haven't really looked into this i don't know if there's much writing on it maybe have to be something that i look into more but there those two things pride and despair are what the law leads you into you either think you're doing it or you don't and you're terrified Mm -hmm. but i think there might be a third effect of the law when it's just left without the gospel and it i don't mean this as a joke but like it might be hysteria because of that having to escape inward because there's nothing outside of you to grasp onto and now you're trying to numb yourself with with um emotional interactions with god sort of this mysticism that Christ- a lot of christianity has become so that might be a project for myself to look into pride despair and hysteria
0: that's a good article <laughs> title i think
1: oh <laughs> might
0: just have to be <laughs> Yeah, uh, when I look at like you know, you know like what you were saying, you know, what does Scripture say? A revival is, you know, that's that's the number one thing. Um, and and I'm gonna go to the New Testament because everyone likes to you know act like the New Testament is just something completely different from the Old, and the Old Testament is just this depressing book, and the New Testament is the better book, which by the way has Red flags of heresy all over that oh, yes. mindset alone, which has led kind of, to a lot of heresy. Kind of gives
1: off the idea that there's either two <laughs> different gods writing those books, or mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. is just one is less inspired than the other.
0: Yep, exactly. um But again, you know what does scripture show? You know, if you go to Acts. Right where you have most of your mass comings to Christ happening, right? The gospel is heavily present. Heavily, right. it's it's presented almost like a legal case. Like when when Peter was standing there and the, when the on Pentecost preaching, mm-hmm. I mean, it was almost like a legal argument. He was showing you systematically how. Um, Jesus was the Son of God. How He fulfilled the Old Testament and the da 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 da, and He just went and went and went and went, and it's almost like people, and then people's eyes were open through the through the power of the Spirit. But the gospel was present. The law was there in the beginning, and then it showed how Jesus fulfilled the law. The gospel there was done, and then mass revivals in baptism and might include happening at that moment. Um and but again you know the kind of revival I'd say asbury had which lacked a lot of the essential funk a lot of the essential necessities other than you know singing in the name Jesus which i don't think as christians our criteria should be so low as to be like as long as you're singing dancing and saying jesus you know you're good uh, um i say i mean the revival was like you said, I mean, I think it was a gathering of individuals. I think there were some genuine souls in there, you know, I'm not, you know, like they say, only a Sith deals in absolutes, you know. There were, well, you know, and technically, but there's some absolutes there, true. But anyway, um, you know, I won't say every soul who entered was not touched by God, you know, there's no way to tell that. But, based upon the structure um, that led up and, you know, carried that quote unquote revival through those weeks. Um, it's not a very promising, um, it's not a very promising situation to me, uh, at least to me in my observation, I just, I just don't see it. I mean, and again, even the worship, I think the worship is also very important and the worship alone, I feel like it's a very big characteristic you know, I I heard a sermon once by um uh, Vadi Bochum. I think that's how you say his name. Um, I I love him as a preacher. He's fantastic. Um, but he did a sermon on worship once, and he says something that stuck with me. He was like, you know, worship is trinitarian. Biblical worship is trinitarian, and I was like, oh my gosh, that is so darn true. Worship is trinitarian. You need to have all. You need to have, um. You need to have acknowledgement of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In all of their roles, have to be present. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'll take a like I'll, you know, I could break down so many modern contemporary worship songs, you know, mostly because again, I, I grew up in the church. My dad's pastor. I mean, we did it all the time. I mean, I played it so many. I mean, our God, i would take our God, which I, I love the tune of our God. It's a really fun song to play on the piano, you know? Um, but when you look at the lyrics and you break it down, you know, not much is really being said, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, or I think a better example is like one of the songs that they sing, that they were singing at Osbury. Um, it's an old one. Um, gosh, what was it? Um, like open the eyes of my heart lord, right? That's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a, it's a it's a good song. I mean it's not tune-wise, it's a good song. Um however, it's not what I would expect. I just don't see open the eyes of my heart, Lord, like bringing people. Which again, God can. Again, I can hear people saying God can use that to bring people to Himself. He can. He definitely, definitely, definitely can. Again, we were we people are treating this like the sacraments. Like you know, all of a sudden, you know, God can't. Yeah, you know, they sound like the really, really ultra conservative. Or ultra, you know, classical Protestants, you know, which I guess technically we'd be, you know, God saves you through baptism. You know, and they're probably like, God can use those songs to bring you to him. He can. But see, like like the sacraments. I will is... st-
1: go ahead. <laughs> I will still, I'll probably live and die by Luther's statement that we must firmly hold. That the spirit of God does not come to us unless through the Word and sacraments. Mm. Otherwise, it is what it, what's called enthusiasm. It is the Quakers sitting around in an empty room, just waiting for the spirit to come to them, and then they start shaking, and you know, and nothing's <laughs> being preached. Right? <laughs> That's what you end up. That, that, that was
0: that was another thing. Like no one. I mean, there wasn't any preaching, like yeah. at least like so you think of thing. George Whitfield or any of these Jonathan Edwards or any of these, these look, Peter, Paul, <laughs> uh, uh, like <laughs> a, a very core aspect of revival and mass, re, uh, it's, mass it's revival is the word of God being accurately yeah. given to the sheep. You can't have a feast without the food. (laughs) And
1: that's the thing is, one of these, right? When we think of sola scriptura, we think of it as yes, this is the highest authority. But also, classically, during the Reformation, sola scriptura also meant that scripture is the only holy thing, the only relic, right? Mm -hmm. Because the Roman Catholics were saying, oh, we have this lock of Peter's hair. If you come kiss it, you'll become holy and you'll get a billion years off purgatory. So <laughs> what Luther would say is the word of God is the only relic, it is the only holy thing. And it is the only thing that makes other things holy. So mm-hmm. the reason why baptism is holy baptism is because God's word, his promise is in the baptism. Same with mm-hmm. Holy <clears throat> Communion. So the only way for a song to you know bring someone to, to God is if the word is in the song, that's what makes it holy. And that's what makes it efficacious. Yeah. So that's another reason why we need to not just be, oh, look, they're singing about Jesus. You need to look at the words. Yeah, what, what
0: are on. they saying? And that's important. Like, again, it's not nitpicking. It's not being pessimistic. Oh, you can't just let people worship and just love the Lord. No, that's not the case. That's not the case, because the problem is, uh, I almost want to tell somebody like that, look at the state of Christianity in the West. Like, if you want to have an argument with me and tell me that my criticism is unfounded, look at the West. It is an absolute, it's a hellfire. It's nightmare. It is an absolute nightmare. People do not, Christians do not want to stand up. For, for the gospel, because Christians in the United States specifically, because I'll, I'll stay where I know, Christians in the United States specifically are terrified of persecution. They're terrified. They don't want to be picked on, let alone do they want to be spat on or, 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 or the, Christians just don't like the idea of knowing that there are people out there who don't like them.
1: They don't like when, the idea of being unpopular. Of Exactly.
0: Exactly. And look at where we are. We have... We have churches absolutely being overrun by heretics. We have we have um bodies of Christ that are being poisoned by cancerous um unbiblical ideals. You have churches capitulating the Southern Baptist Convention just I think last week. I don't know if you heard about it, but the Southern Baptist Convention, which I will give to their credit, is like one of the last bastions of Baptist or of Christianity that at least is kind of held firm against a lot of the progressive Christian liberalism and so they have a they just had to expel their second largest church um, from the convention because oh what was it I believe they expelled them because they were um, they were going into progressive liberalistic Christianity they were approving false doctrine and they had to expel them but that's the first thing I'm like I already know Southern Baptist Convention is about to Fall in the next two three years. It's there. There's no stopping it. You know. It's it's a nightmare. So say what you want. It's not working. It's been going downhill for the past fifty years. It's not going up. As much as Christians in Liberty, because we're in a little bubble and we go to convocation every single Wednesday and have campus community every single Wednesday night. And we're only surrounded by Christians and we're like, oh, my gosh, look what the Lord is doing. Yes. (laughs) But like you're in Lynchburg, Virginia. Where when are we going to start affecting Rome? When is it going to leave Corinth? and go into Ephesus you know when is it going to leave Ephesus and go to Philippi when are we going to stop sitting in our own little areas and be so scared to learn things theologically to learn and and to confront culture change culture and then but but we can't even do that until we ourselves are prepared for it god didn't send the apostles out immediately he trained them and it doesn't matter how long it takes you to train god is patient see he's perfectly patient he will sit there with you and and train he's not going to let you go out there and jack up he's not so until you're ready he's going to keep you in the same season of life the entire time he had them wander in the wilderness and some people some people never made it out Some people never made it out. He does not send. He does not let you go out there and ruin his good name. (laughs) He does not do that. So either we we get our act together and stop being prideful, because that's where it comes. That that's where it comes from. It's pride. It's a prideful hanging on to what we think, what we want, and what we think feels good and what we believe is our interpretation of scripture this is kind of where the roman catholics at least have a good point where you know our independent interpretation of scripture apart from the church and what we want and just going out into the world and and preaching who knows what there's no accountability there's no catechesis it's a nightmare it's a nightmare it's a nightmare and that is what i think is what happens At Asbury, were there some good aspects? Yeah, you know, there was the name of God, Jesus mentioned, you know, Jesus' name has power, you know, that that is true. You know, there, there were people coming down, you know, it brought national attention. I think bringing national attention to Christianity in any way, shape or form is always a good thing. I think it's always good to have people, you know, hopefully there's someone out there who... Um, heard it and, you know, thought, let me go pick up my, you know, grandma's old Bible and just take a look at it. That's, I think that's wonderful. I think that's a great thing. Um, but by no means will I ever place the Asbury revival in the same caliber as, you know, anything that is even close to Acts or the Great, you know, Awakening or George Whitefield or the English or, or the Reformation or anything. In fact, I have I have more faith in what Richard's doing with the reconquista than I do with what happened at Asbury. But anyway, you're just saying something.
1: The word you're lo- I think what you're looking for is American Christianity is built it thrives on a theology of glory. Yeah, or in just one word, triumphalism. They mm-hmm. think that God's favor is known by their success, by their happy gushy feelings in their heart, by how well their life is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when they look at when they when they go out and they realize, oh man, people don't like what I'm saying. I <laughs> guess I'm not doing it right. So then they mm-hmm. change the message, and then you end up with this with this situation. and and Christian climate that we're in in America so now contrast that with the theology of the cross well now you you get Paul who will outline boldly all of his sufferings that he went through to give out the gospel he was shipwrecked he was stoned he was eventually martyred right but he still went on and did it because he knew that he was not above his master, who, who his master Christ, who suffered worse than he did. I like it would I don't even know how a triumphalist evangelical would think of Jesus on the cross. They look at Jesus on the cross and they say, You know, they know it's for them, but also that's God who's suffering, right? Why didn't he? It sounds very Gnostic,
0: doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds very
1: Gnostic. And I mean, Gnosticism is the great enemy of the church that has never gone away. It's just Mm. changed shape, changed forms. But, you know, that's God who's suffering. This is the message he's suffering for but somehow you think that you're not going to get that when you start preaching what he was preaching. Right. There's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It's just baffling sometimes.
0: Yeah. You know, and I, I can, like I said, I can extend, like I said, I tried to extend some yeses. There weren't many. I mean, there's not many. I I mean, there's not many, Um. I'm being honest, the only yeses I can extend were the yeses I mentioned. Uh, I mean, I remember, this is a slightly not as related. I don't have to mention this, but I do want to mention this. My wife saw something and she was like, yeah. She was like, the city was upset. And I was like, why was the city upset? You know, and of all the things that the city of, of and Um Osbury or what was it? Wilmington? Wilmore, Will, Wilmore. There you go. I think it was Wilmore, Kentucky. Um, you know, I was expecting something pretty good. You know, for the town, the secular people to be upset about. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe. You know, maybe the change is penetrating the town to the point to where you know people are uncomfortable and want it to end. You know, that's always a good sign. You know that you know the persecution means you're doing something right. Yeah. Turns out they're upset because these Christian, <laughs> Christians had come down and been parking into people's private property to get to, As, to Asbury. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, what kind of witness is that? So you're going to go parking people's private lawns, public private businesses, whatever it was, take up space, no regard for people at all. I mean, what... How, what kind of witness does that bring to God? I mean, it's something as small as that, you know, that's that's small. I'll admit it technically, quote unquote, small, but that's important. Now, now when a person who's non Christian gets up in the morning and goes to work, he's instantly pissed at the Christians instantly yeah. over something that we legitimately did pretty wrong to the point to, and it got to the point to where the city that's that's partially why the revival had to um, be broken up because it was just blocking. It was blocking the town and, and, and people were like we're done we're done and now here it is um another thing too is that it 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 ended as quickly as it started it you know it must be the avatar the last airbender you know before the world when they say um but when the world needed the most he vanished you know it, it's, it's gone you know there's no i i I was I I remember I just started laughing to myself when I when I saw that I was I told my wife I said look I said if if this thing stops whenever the streak is is over like they if they can't move from one spot to the other and have the same fervor and the same impact as they did when they were just in the one spot. I mean, it's really not much. You're just moving from, even if you got to take a break for a couple of days, you're just moving from one spot to the next. If your, if your source is from the Holy Spirit and from Jesus Christ, then you really shouldn't need the cont- And I, again, I'm a musician. I've been in these, tr- I know the feeling, the constant, it's like, you don't want to leave because you feel like if you leave, you're going to kind of like get out the current, you know, and you got to like get back into the current. So I was like, I, I, I'm telling you, if they can't, rev it back up then I will have seen all I need to see and so that, sure enough
1: that happened that's kind of an indication that yeah this is mostly emotionally driven because people get tired <laughs> you know people's, people's hearts get tired and you get bored eventually after enough of it so if this truly were supernatural a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit yeah, he doesn't really care if on your physical limitations. I'm reminded of like Elijah when he when the Spirit of God came on him and he outran chariots. You know, so like yeah. So is this is that is that what's happening? Is is the Spirit just coming in for a minute and just not? Ah, I'm on vacation now. Yeah. He comes, yeah. yeah. He just especially comes in he's,
0: with as messed up as we are. You know, with with as with as dire a situation as Protestant and Catholic Christianity is in the United States. Just, I don't see it. Doesn't like I said. If you look at Scripture and you look at revivals in Scripture, Jesus, God's. This is just fact. God's revivals are never short lived, ever. Every revival that has ever happened in scripture has been widespread, fast, fast, widespread and impactful for generations. That's that's just standard. Like you said, with Josiah um, going to Acts. When you have any time, the nation of Israel repent. I mean, that happened so many times when the nation of Israel repented and they had their revival. I mean, they they fell again, but again, generations fast moving. It was, it was, it was, it was was because it was the act of God. Who's gonna stand in the way of 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 Yahweh?
1: No one. So tell me. Yeah, I don't mean to cut you off. I don't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. You're good. rule. I don't even think we should call what happens in the Bible revival, Mm -hmm. we should just call it repentance because that's what it is. It's lasting Mm -hmm. repentance. The Mm -hmm. the nation of Israel repented, the people at Pentecost repented and then widespread people are repenting. So we shouldn't even be using the word revival. It is repentance.
0: Mm -hmm. That's where it all comes from. That's, that's what makes me, that's, that's what I find so fulfilling in the Anglican tradition. It's so repentance focused. It's mm-hmm. it's so repentant. And, and honestly, me. that's just, yeah, just little c, little c Catholic Christianity, Orthodox Christianity is repentance focused. Mm-hmm. It's repentance focused. The entire life s- of a
1: Christian.
0: That's the whole point. And t- uh, the whole part. The whole part. And you sit there and you're just, it's, I remember, I remember I felt a spiritual high once. At Liberty, um, which Liberty tried to start their own revival, I I did want to add this Liberty. We have a we have a little chapel on campus. It's yeah. like the old church chapel or something. I can't remember what it's called. Um, and a bunch of students, I, me and my wife, we knew they were going to. We were just waiting, but they. Yeah. Got a bunch of people and they tried to manufacture a revival on campus. Yeah. Um and it was, uh, a
1: lot more schools in Liberty are doing that. I know yeah. people at,
0: Cedarville, at, um, Cedarville did it versus yeah. a school where my my wife lives in Ohio, so that's yeah why they're doing it too a Christian
1: school. I know people at um Pensacola Christian College. They just oh had like gosh. a <laughs> oh <my laughs> I used to go there. I used to go there. Yeah, sign of the cross yourself you over. Did
0: yeah, oh I went goodness. there for a
1: while yeah mm. while i was lutheran too so that oh. was a travel but they they just had a they do a bible bible conference every year which is mm-hmm. just like a week you get like a couple days off classes or i don't i don't even remember how it goes but it's just like a bunch of urine services all day basically mm-hmm. and they tried to do the same exact thing they tried mm-hmm. to get some kind of revival going with an extended exactly. altar call.
0: and that doesn't scream god to me that's just not, that's not God. I I know I will be bold that's to say, a virtue that's not signal.
1: That's a yeah,
0: virtue signal. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not God. That's not, that's not repentance. It comes from repentance. Repentance is the start. If there's yeah. not repentance, then I don't know what you're doing. Just, just straight yeah. up. I don't know what you're doing. Everybody. It, it always starts with a repentance from origin to to augustine to martin luther to 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 wherever it started it always starts with repentance christianity starts with repentance and if you don't have it you don't have any revival of any kind because the small scale because every christian every christian who is made regenerate in christ that that is a microcosm of revival every every um redemption is a revival singular with that person and um plural with the church as they enter the body. So all a revival technically is, is the a large mass plural of revival or re, or or redemption. Um and or like you mentioned, kind of like the lukewarm spirits of you know the church, you know, a revival of um orthodox Christianity. Yep. that is what it is If it, it does not look like that it is not a revival it is a very long worship service that and again if the depending on the correct inter depending on what you're doing depends on even if it's a worship service because i don't even know if i can extend that far yeah. um no, I so, yeah. <laughs> so- yeah yeah and, and like I was I think I was mentioning before like again I remember at Liberty this is what I was about to say when I was at Liberty we had like an emotional moment it, it made me really want to go to the school I remember because I was you know I was seeking God and I, I just couldn't find him very well you know I was a very um you know I'm a very logical person and So anyway well you know cutting off the backstory we had a nice bible study at the lunchroom and whatnot and we had this one guy who very uh i I love him to death we call him uh, paul the lesser and he's just very biblically knowledgeable he's very very good and it's interesting where the spiritual high came from and as i look back on it because i mean i felt like i couldn't talk like it was insane um but it came from we were reading Job of all the scripture where this went out. <laughs> It was Job, right? And we're reading Job and we're just, you know, having a regular Bible And he he comes in and he's just, you could tell he just got up and he just started expounding on the scripture. And he kept relating it back to to, you know, to the gospel, he was talking about, you know, what Job was going through and what God was doing and what God was saying. And it was like I was hearing scripture almost. I don't know, you, you could just tell, you know, he was t- talking about repenting and, and it was it was it was beautiful, you know, and I sat there and I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I wanted to to chase it. And, you know, I, I almost feel like I misunderstood probably what God was telling me to do in that moment you know i i i went full tail trying to seek the emotional feeling that my university kind of really propels you know i remember i sat in the car you know just the almost the whole way back from that college for a weekend and just you know listening to the worship music you know really trying to chase that feeling again because i felt so connected to god in that moment and then it's almost like as quick as he came he left And it was just like, I was looking for so long. I could not find it. And then, all of a sudden, years later, you know, I'm still looking, still struggling. And then I find, you know, Anglican. And, you know, I've I've been... And there have been some things in my life I I had systematically conquered over time with the help of God. And finally, you know, we get to the Anglican, and I... I do the daily office. I go to the service. And for the first time, it was weird. It's not, it's not a high, it's not a high. Uh, It's not a big overwhelming, you know, I'm on the ground and can't, you know, my heart's on fire, but it's consistent. It almost feels like, you know, when he talks about the living water, like you sit there and it's almost like you're sitting there and it's just, it's consistent. And I sometimes get a high after the Eucharist. I'm not going to lie. There was one time I went back home and I was on fire. Like it, it was weird. Nothing had even really happened. It was just a generic service. And we had our Sunday school after service and I was walking back home and I like start. I I was witnessing to my friend in the basement so long that my, my wife got mad and well, she was my fiance at the time, but she got mad because I think we were supposed to be going to, um, she was asking to see me and I was, yeah, I never ignore my texts from her ever. I can attest to that. But in that moment, I did, it just wasn't a priority at the at the moment I was just, I was, he's, and he's um not, he's not atheist. He's more just like, he doesn't know what he thinks about God. He grew up in a Christian house. Just wasn't, he's just not there, but we were talking and I mean, I was just going, I was going on going and going and going. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, like I just got upstairs and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm shaking. You know, like, and again, nothing happened. (laughs) Really, a a lot happened. But, you know, in the span of like an average evangelical is going to go in there and be like, really? This was the source? You know, these stuffy old men walking around with a little pole down the aisle, like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's... I think I think scriptures I think scripture is a very good source. that I think people need to start going back to anytime anything someone says is Christian happens, especially yeah. if it seems happy. Just because it seems like it's a happy thing does not give it happiness is not a seal of authenticity and yeah. I, joy is not a seal of authenticity. Because mm-hmm. the joy can come from something or someone that is not god or inspired by god that's just fact you know and just because you put joy in jesus in the same sentence doesn't make it jesus's joy it's just that's just fact
1: well that's again going back to the you know the triumphalist sort of view of christianity that people have is you know how do you know how do you how do you know that you're in God's favor, well, your happiness is triumphing over your sadness, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's how you know that you're really, you're really putting it all in. You're really? really, you're really in the click with God. So, but yeah, I mean, that's because I grew, I grew up in the evangelical space as well. I, I went to a camp from when I was 12 and now I counsel there now. I'm like an undercover agent, but...
0: I was about to say, they let you? Yeah, they let me. Well, guess what? They don't...
1: It's non-denominational, so there's no creed that I have to affirm or confession. Oh! True. Uh, but <laughs> I went there from 12, I'm 21 now, so it's been this year, actually, if I go back and counsel again, will be a decade since I've been there. But for... 12 to 18 I was on the youth program at the camp there and they had services every night and they'd have an altar call every every night and I remember every year I'd I'd be going up to the altar and every single time is that's the real time I gave my heart to Jesus or I accepted Jesus as my lord right so I did it like so many times I can't even <laughs> say it was it it's cringe it's cringe But I would always be, I'd go to camp for nine days, I'd get that high, it'd last for a couple weeks afterwards, and then it'd be gone again. Right, so this sort of mystic... Because consistency hits you. Yeah.
0: Because the walk hits you. I mean yep. it's it's not just a moment when you when you get in scripture Christianity it's a walk it's painful it is yeah, well, that's, painful that's it's, it's not normal it is not a natural dispensation
1: yeah. of the flesh it's not yes and it comes through the word and that's what I tell these kids now that I'm counseling I'm like guys you I know what you're feeling right now Mm-hmm. I know you're you're away, you're on a campground. You're away from the world. You're you know what I mean. You're with people your age, young. It's light
0: like monasticism.
1: <laughs> yeah, in, in a sense, but monasticism sort of done right, where the goal isn't to keep you secluded. We're pushing mm-hmm. you out of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So we're giving you this time to learn and study the scriptures with cool, awesome counselors like myself, <laughs> and <laughs> you're on fire right now. now. and I I always tell them. Don't put your faith in it. That mm-hmm. is not the object of your faith. That is not the object of your trust. That is not how you know that you are right with God. If you you're you're gonna come up and I and I tell them, and some of them get a little bit worried, and they come up, they come up to me afterwards and they're like, Oh, did you really mean that? I'm like, Yeah. But I'm like, <laughs> you, you guys are gonna come up and I guarantee you you're gonna crash and you're gonna be sad for a while. Like, all, like borderline depressed because you don't feel how you did this week and the weeks after. But if you want that consistency, because I used to have that high, I used to have that crash, but now since I've been in the word of God just consistently, he, it's not the same as it is, right? Because it's not my emotions and my flesh taking control. It's actually the spirit of God, which is something beyond that. But God has been sustaining me through His Word consistently, as as I go through the year. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, and I think that's just a mark of maturity, and just being able to, um, sort of put your emotions in check, and be like, I know, and and again, it's not bad to feel your emotions, right? that True. is important. emotions like, are are definitely emotions are good mm-hmm. but always when when you are feeling these emotions always know that they're fleeting they come and they go but the word of god endures forever right mm-hmm. so like just the other week or just the past three weeks up until yesterday i had I i've been like you know, so, you know on fire to read scripture and praying consistently reading writing all these things and now as of writing. like yesterday, yeah so like as of yesterday <laughs> I've just like kind of come off of it like I don't have that desire as like fervently mm-hmm. but I know that you know that's Back when I was feeling that, I never banked my assurance of my faith and my salvation on the on that experience of emotion. I take it as a gift, and you, know, I, you learn a lot, but there's also a lot to learn in these low periods in in these sort of I don't want to say depressions because it's not depression, but just like in these sort of like melancholy times in your Christian walk, there's a lot to learn. Um, yeah. And I think it's really a disservice when evangelicals look at that and they say, well, there's a problem that you shouldn't be feeling that way. You need to be feeling like Asbury." You know what I mean? That is... (laughs) 24-7. Yeah, which is such... Which is an incredible burden, by the way. Because if they're being honest, they don't feel that, right? So... Mm -hmm. It's... It's just... There's just more, more than the highs. There is,
0: and there's, and there's, you know, there's, you know, I'm i a, I'm a, I'm a hail to my own, um, to the catacomb. A quote I put up the other day, where, ah, uh, who said it? Um, Saint Seraphim of Sarov. He said one should not think about the doings of God when one's stomach is full. On a full stomach, there can be no vision of the divine mysteries. And I remember, I just sat there as I was putting that up. I was like, "Dang," you know. A, and this is kind of unrelated, but I'm gonna call some Christians out. We fasting is just something we don't do anymore. Because oh, yeah. and I'm gonna be, and I'm gonna be completely honest. I don't care how many times you fast from social media. The only reason why, you <laughs> always pick, you always pick the one that's the least painful. So yeah, you are picking fasting from social media over food unless you have a medical condition and unless you're older and can't or something like that if you're the average able-bodied individual the only reason why you're not doing food is because you do not want to and you know that's going to be more painful than social media i can give up tv i cannot give up a burger that's just fact (laughs) so that And again, that is just something that, again, that's a spiritual discipline that we are commanded by God explicitly to do on a regular basis that we do not do on a regular basis as Christians just in general. But like you were talking about more about like the, you know, the feeling that high all the time and always chasing that in the melancholy times, I, I kind of have the similar thing you did. Like I've been, you know, since Lent started, you know, I said I'm going to do the 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 traditional thing I was going to have the two small meals that didn't equal the, the full meal and I'd have my full meal. I, I didn't put a, a liquid re- restriction. So I'll, like I said, I was drinking the soda. I'll, I'll drink coffee and juice and stuff like that and everything, but that's my thing. I'm not, and, and I didn't restrict myself from social media or anything like that, but I said um I wasn't going to allow my social media or my television or anything like that to, um, get in the way of my spiritual development so my spiritual development would come first and i would have to build my social media or tv or whatever around that if Mm -hmm. that makes sense so i would you know like for instance when i work i'll use my work for instance my work sometimes we have lulls in between calls sometimes it's 15 minutes sometimes it's 30 minutes it's wonderful you're just sitting there in the bed usually I would just have the TV there and i just turn on a show and watch it while I'm in between a call. call would come, pause the show, do the call. So now I'm reading a book. It's called The Exposition of 39 Articles. I've been reading it for the past couple months. And so I was like, you know what? This is something I'm going to do. So I would pause it. I don't even put the TV in the room. I keep it in the living room. And I just read that all day. And it's killing me. But it's good, right? I've been, you know, we, the past couple, last week, we finally got, the money to go get groceries, which we have not really gotten groceries in like the past year and some change. I mean, it's been rough. So we finally kind of came out of the the poverty we were in, you know, long story short. And we went and just got a lot, like full groceries for the first time. And it was, I was like, man, of course I have to come out of poverty during Lent. (laughs) You know, and fill up my fridge. I mean, Lent was very easy when we had nothing. And, you know, we were, you know, I was making sure Noel had food. So I was just not really eating food. So my Lent was actually more extreme when I first started because I wasn't eating anything until dinner because we had to ration it out until I could go get groceries. Um, So then we go get groceries. And I'm, I kid you not, I'm putting this stuff in the fridge and I'm looking at the bacon and I'm looking at the sausage and I'm looking at the, at the, at the leeks and the chives and the chicken and the fish. And the, and I'm looking at all the, and the snacks and the, all the chips we got and all, the, and I'm just staring at it. And I'm like, okay. And I can't, and I, I, I'm not lying. I sat there and I was like, do I really, I was like, there is no requirement that I have to do the food this way I'm just kidding I'm just kidding now I'm sitting there and I'm just I'm having a mental debate with myself. I'm like I just got the food. Do I have to sit here and not eat the food and eat less and all this stuff and at the end of the day it was a very painful decision to be like, okay, I'm still gonna do it because this is lent and because that's what I decided to do. And I'm going to do morning and evening prayer, even though it's exhausting and it's long with the 1662 Book of Common Prayer. My gosh, Cranmer put so much scripture in there, but you know, I'm going—I'm not going to skimp it and not take notes because I want to be done. And like I said, I mean, now that I've gotten out of the first period, I'm—I—it's a low for me. Like I have no no desire. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to wake up at 6 30 or six in the morning and read and write and highlight or pray you know after after work late at night to sit there with the with the rosary and and to pray it for the next 30 minutes because that's how long it takes depending on how long the scripture is because i use those the anglican rosaries i post too i mean i sit there and i use them and it's it's, it's it reminds me, there's a the one of the canons of the Anglican Church, Stephen Godier. Um, he does a podcast called Word and Table. Wonderful. He described, you know, quiet time with God and devotion to God. Like he said, he's he said he has a son who will call him like every two nights or something. He calls him on a schedule on like a basis. And he said, um, he said there are some nights he's I can tell my son is just done like he's, he had a hard day at work, you know, he could tell that if he had the option, he would probably just be laying in the bed and passed out. You know, he's not super invested in the conversation, but he's putting in effort. And he's like, I feel like that's what it's like for God when we come to him. Like, yes, we can come to him when we're super excited to, and oh, we have something to tell him. And oh, we're just feeling so loving towards God and all this stuff and all that, 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 but you know, God also wants us to come to him when we don't, feel like it and when we're melancholy when we're hungry when we're tired when we we when we've been on a long trip we're coming back and we're like oh you know i'm just gonna do my bible study in the morning because i don't really want to and i don't have to do it tonight well yes but if, you know if god is your father do you, you know he wants you to be there even if like I, I was doing the rosary the other night i wasn't super invested i had to stop a couple times and and pray the lord would keep my mind focused on what you know, I was saying and praying and, and meditating on and because it's, it's hard, I'll start I'll start either falling asleep or I'll start thinking about something that I have to do right after Bible study. And I have to like focus because this is not easy. It's not always going to be a high to get you through things. It's, it's that that's a crutch as much as Christians want to act like it's not. It's a crutch. Um, and then it's not a sustaining crutch and it's not a biblical crutch. There there are no crutches in Christianity, unfortunately. That's just not how we work, that's not how God designed it. You know, we kind of gave up our right to have a crutch at the fall. <laughs> so <laughs> now it's a struggle. Um but um you know, the kind of the last bit of the questions can kind of go together, you know, the Uh, Which we kind of answered the fourth one, but like, you know, does this revival, the Osbury revival, you know, does it have a long term effect? Is it going to have a long term effect on our culture? You know, is this revival an example of the power or the weakness of evangelicalism in the sense of non-denominational modern 21st century Christianity? Um, and how do we as classical Protestants, you know, Presbyterians and Lutherans and Anglicans, you know, how do, and I'll say Roman Catholics, even though they're not classical Protestants, but I'll just, I'll throw uh, the traditional Roman Catholics, you know, how do, how do we all respond to this event in it as a whole, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we answered that second one. Is this a display of the weakness or strength of evangelical? We've been answering that throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a display of that triumphal mm-hmm. mindset that we have. That what what are the most shining crowning moments in Christianity are the ones which it looks like God is winning, right? But like that, and that is that is, I'd say, one of the biggest weaknesses of evangelicalism, because God reigns no matter what, and <clears throat> and even to relate it on the on the personal level. Yes, they you know triumphalists will say that you know, um, God's work is made evident in His over in his overcoming of your emotions and your overcoming of sadness and of your victory here and of your victory over this sin and that sin yada 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 but then you're you're brought to a different place in these melancholy moments and those actually i would say are the times and the old lutheran theologians would agree as well right we it's I don't know if this is just a Lutheran thing, but we say that suffering is a visitation of God. That is when God is closest to us, is when we are suffering, when we are not feeling it, not, you know, not feeling like we're, we're up to it today. But that is the moment when God brings us to the end of ourselves and we lean on him in faith that is when he's closest to us, not when we're puffed up in this sort of sort of spiritual pride. It's it's not always pride, but it's most likely always pride. But um right, so it's a completely the I that is I think the biggest evangelical weakness is that it gets it flip-flopped. God is closest to us when we're down. And we're closest to him when, when we're crawling on our knees, basically. Mm. Uh, is, is this a sign of lasting revival? Like, will it last? Judging by the fact that I had no idea it ended. Um, like I had no idea about the status of it. I'm going to say no. Um, mostly because it is it is just an event that took part in a lot of people's internal minds and in their hearts that's where the event was that's where it started that's where it was sustained and if it goes if the feeling goes away then the then the quote unquote revival goes away so again we haven't seen this sudden change of return to orthodoxy returning to god's word returning to the sacraments returning to repentance we haven't seen that um i can probably i'm not a prophet but i can probably predict that some crazy thing's gonna happen in the country and then they're gonna be like remember that revival on asbury it's because of that that's why it happened <laughs> it's like no okay no um Like really the only way I was reminded of Asbury before this conversation, um, I was on TikTok and it was just like some random video of it said, oh, asbury spreading like wildfire and it has as a video of asbury then it cuts to a video of a different school and then at a different school and i'm like wait a minute i've seen that clip before it was a clip from years ago at a different school my
0: my friend like, posted something on instagram on her story it was like um, uh, i don't mean to call her out But it was false. Um, It was they were like celebrating in Times Square. It was a the revival had caught fire in Times Square, and I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) And I looked it up and I did some fact checking. Turns out that was that was um, from something that happened like four years ago, uh, and there was like a Christian event and like people were there, and I was like, oh my god, yeah. So if you
1: have to. You have to lie to make it seem like it's catching more wind than it actually is well then i think there's a problem and if that's the fruit of it if the fruit of this is puffing it up to what it actually isn't i think that's kind of telling mm-hmm. um, and even
0: like i said even in i'm sure people will be like well that's just some people yes that is some people yes that is but that is a lot of what we saw and like I said, like answers in Genesis, I I almost found that as a very comforting validation. Like answers in Genesis is basically saying the exact same thing we're saying. Yep. They just have degrees. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You might have a degree, actually. I don't, I don't remember. Ah, so. I don't.
1: Well,
0: no? Okay. Not okay. yet. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I say the exact same thing. I mean, exact same thing. But I'll cut you off. Go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. Um, I think another way to know, right? is this is a revival will it have lasting effect so we've talked about the return to orthodoxy part but i think another part well i guess this is kind of the same thing but does it promote in the future love towards your neighbor because that's essentially mm-hmm. what repentance is repentance is not for the sake of god right because you know christ has christ has justified us on our behalf and God has repented us in our baptism, right? He has done the work of repentance for us. Um, but repentance is for the sake of our neighbor, right? If you have a vine, if if God is if God is the vine, well, the fruit of the vine isn't for the vine. You're the branch. The branches don't eat its own fruit. The one who eats the fruit is is the person who comes to you and plucks it from me right so fruit of repentance and fruit of the holy spirit it's all for your neighbor so if this revival is producing fruit it will produce love for for your families in your vocations it will you know it will be the driving factor and again i don't know any way to like check up on these people to see if that's actually happening so there's really no way to <laughs> validated. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't see how, how, how exactly it's going to be a lasting thing. Some people are saying that, you know, this is, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be the one of the greatest moments. For Christianity and of of our this generation, one
0: of the moments of our generation. Yeah. Take, me Take me yeah. home,
1: taking me home,
0: taking me home. That no, uh, no. And I and you know kind of like how you know as classical Protestants, you know how we how we respond, you know, because we again we we're a little bit more, you know Christians are a little bit less fond you know I, I feel like we're we slowly slip into the lens that the the catholic church has been under for such a long time um perspective wise on a lot of the evangelical non-denominational light baptist some baptist traditions you know um but again, not to respond in it in you know hatred or or ridicule or anything like that, but in discernment, you know what is going on and calling it as it is. You know that we, if it's false, it's false. That's I'm sorry that hurts people's feelings, and I'm sorry that's not what people want to hear. And um and you know I'm sorry. You know it seems no not great but if the scripture isn't there if the support isn't
1: there just about it's not we're not just saying this because this is what we think right would i I think that we can both agree that if this were legit we'd be happy about it very happy like it would not be a thing to diss but is the word there and that's mm-hmm. where our conclusion is coming from. That's what we're standing on. So show me that the word is there and I'll change my mind. But I've listened to the sermons at Asbury before they moved locations or whatever. There were three total. First one, second and third, nothing. The first one was the best with the law, no gospel. The rest was just gushy, bushy uh-huh. sort of yeah, get into, feel it, guys, get into it, and it's, and I mean, even that is the law, get into it, feel it, show God that you love him, you know what I mean? No, that is the law, yeah, that's true, So that's true. I really am just curious as to what would, again, there's no way to test this, like, what, what would have happened, say, five days in, someone went up and actually just gave the gospel, They've just like chilled out, <laughs> you
0: know. And the problem them, though them, is the gospel coming. doesn't sound that great as much as people like to say. To be honest, like yeah. the gospel is the gospel. The message is it's underwhelming.
1: It's it, underwhelming.
0: It is. It's it healing, is. It is.
1: That's
0: Paul. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like I. Uh, that's why you know. That's why you had like Gnosticism because it was like like my church is going through a Sunday school series on church history right now. And like we're thinking, we're talking about all the heresies. That's really what all the heresies came from. It, it came from almost like humanity felt like it had to puff God up a little bit. Like, whoa, God suffered? No, no, God didn't suffer. That really, this this is important. You know, the flesh is important. You know, Jesus, God has hum has you know is fully God and fully man. Why? No, no, no. The 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 man got absorbed in the God, you know, like it, it, it was really people trying to reconcile with the fact that that was it. <laughs> you know, if someone, like you said, if someone got up and started talking about the gospel it would have been, you know, we're, hey, you know, but we are sinners and and, and I'll I'll use a word from you know the Presbyterians you know we're totally depraved we are sinful creatures you know yeah. and we need God and he died for our sins and 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 all this you know and you repent and be baptized receive the word in the sacraments and 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 continue to go through life through the highs and the lows witnessing praying repenting and repeat until yeah. You die. And it's not the rapture where, you know, again, that's another Gnostic influence. You know, we're just going to fly away while the world burns and fire and brimstone and we're partying up in heaven with the Lamb of God until we come. No! You yeah. die. And anyway, intermediate state, not purgatory, but the intermediate state with the church expectant, and then you're resurrected at the end. That's
1: what happens yeah and Um, guess what you get burned a little before you die the world's on fire (laughs) right mm -hmm. paul paul the author of hebrews calls these days the last days right you're Mm -hmm. going to get burned before you die and (laughs) (laughs) it's just gonna happen um but yeah i really just wonder what would happen if someone got up there and just gave them the gospel and not only the gospel but just Kind of laid it out for them to be like do you really think that what you're doing is pleasing god not in the sense that it's outwardly you know offensive Mm -hmm. but if this truly is sort of showing god look god i love you forgive me because that's the opinion of the law saying because the gospel hasn't been preached i don't care i haven't heard the gospel okay the gospel was not there. <laughs> and now all there is to do is say, Look, God, I'm giving look at look at what I'm giving you. Now forgive me, right? Mm-hmm. I like I'll so say good it. I'm being. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say it. God doesn't care that you're giving that to him as an offering. He cares about the sweet smelling offering of Christ that went up to him on the cross and that's all that there is and that's all that is necessary for the Christian life and that is all we look to and that's all we cherish and adore Mm -hmm. and maybe maybe that maybe that would they would have calmed down after that but the, the real the real thing is getting that gospel right because, again, you can turn the gospel into something triumphant, being, now you're set free from sin and you've overcome the devil and there's nothing holding you down anymore. No, it's get on your knees and say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's your <That's> response. <laughs> say thank you, do the sign of the cross, remember your baptism, receive Christ in the Lord's Supper, and go out into your vocation and love your neighbor Mm -hmm. and it's very it's very interesting because i was reading articles about people who quit their jobs who would who like left their wife alone with the kids to go out to the revival so they could go do it right there are people leaving their vocations which god has put them in god has put them in them to do their good works which is why christians were created and regenerated in the first place as ephesians two ten says they're <laughs> leaving, they're leaving those vocations where they do the good works so that they can go do a higher a greater work and go worship god in a better more spiritual way that's monastic all right mm-hmm. that's that's if you're being called out of your vocation, if God is calling you away from your vocation, calling you away from your family, away from your job, that's a problem, because I'm not sure that's God doing it. So... Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. To something that's not really biblical in the first place. Yeah. That doesn't... You know, I, got, I I got some verses, too, that I, I collected earlier, you know, that kind of revival-related, You know, Second Chronicles 7, 14, you know, he says... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. look at look at the process, right? Deconstruct the sentence, right? My people who are called by my name, here we have the church. You know, Israel, which yep. is church, the church now. you know, pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Repentance, Re- mm-hmm. acknowledgement of sin, humility, repentance. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. Forgiveness, redemption, reviving—whatever you want to say. Well, actually, no, not reviving. That's the end. And then, and will heal their land. That is again the reviving. And guess. And how does God heal their land? He heals it through us. That's how He chooses to do it. He revives us. And then we go out and and again, there's that outpouring again, the outpouring, and it affects everything else. Uh, Isaiah 57, 15, for this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. That is biblical. That is, that is what, that is what scripture says. I, I, I'm sorry. That's I, and I did not, I did not see that. I, I did not see that. And I think, I think, I think the enemy would love to keep that from us too. I think that I think his worst fear, I mean, I I was talking to Noel, you know, we got to think of the enemy like the enemy. I mean, they don't see, see the enemy has the advantage of having eternity you know to be to being um infinite so um obviously they went through the whole roman i mean they probably have horror stories for what happened when when christ died i mean no one like the the scripture says remember when paul says you know they would never have crucified him had they known what was actually going on i mean think of the 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 intel breakdown You know, we what we didn't know. We had no. I mean, just what happened? The concept of Christ in us now. At least it was. At least the temple was in one spot, and we could at least keep people away from it. Now they're a bunch of walking temples. Just imagine the chaos from their perspective. I mean, just being wiped out. I mean, the altars destroyed. Christianity spreading, I mean, to India, and it doesn't matter how many you kill, I mean, it doesn't matter how many you kill. It's just, it's just so many, you know, and it just spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads. You know, if I was, you know, in the drawing room and going, all right, we lost bad. What you know, this is the reality. This is the new in, this is the new weapon that the enemies got, kind of like the screw tape letters, you know, as they're you know, talking to each other, figuring out what to do. If I was in the drawing room, I would say, you know, in this new reality with this new weapon that they have, what gets the weapon started? What loads the weapon, you know, repentance. That's the resounding answer. Like, okay, so if it's repentance, so how do we keep them from doing that and having this happen again? And you flood them with everything but repentance. Repentance is bad. You know, the whole, oh, you know, don't be sad all the time. You know, you, you repent once, but really that's it. And even repentance, you know, baptism becomes an extemporaneous event where it's like you proclaim that you love God and you're surrounded by your bunch of friends and family. And, you know, you, you it's not really doing anything. It's just you're you're making a statement and you're being celebrated and cheered and you go back to your seat. Super happy. And, you know, you just you keep them. You don't. Uh, it reminds me of the script tape letters. He was writing to Wormwood and he and he was. Wormwood. This was before his um, patient became a Christian, and Wormwood was concerned because he felt like God was getting close to him. And Screwtake was like, "Oh, he was like, calm down, calm down. You don't have to worry." He's like, "Just don't let him sit in silence." He said, "Don't, don't allow him to have a moment where he can sit and have an empty head and contemplate anything." You know, if he sits in the if he sits on the bench and doesn't have anything to do, make him go. You know, just whisper like you know, like hey, you're hungry. Why don't you go get something to eat? You know, or like oh, you know, uh, you know, I need to go do this. Uh, don't let him sit in silence because that's whenever you start thinking. And when you start thinking, you start you know, you start repenting, we we keep them from repenting. (laughs) Because if that happens again, you're gonna, you're gonna topple everything. And, and that, I mean, look at the country. I mean, it's full of prideful, angry, hurt people who will not repent. And not only will, I mean, the enemy has blinded, you know, those who are not gods, which makes sense. He, they are the, the ownership in a sense, you know, if you do not, if Christ is not yours, then you are left to the wolves, you know. Um, but in the absence, you know, he's not, you know, the enemy and uh, we participate in it. You know, not only do they keep them from repenting, but they have managed to influence us to keep us from repenting. And so not only so now we can't even help them because we we, we haven't been rejuvenated ourselves So we're in the same boat, except we're just barely sliding by. And we can't be effective at all because we're just unrepentant. I mean, just just repenting on a daily basis. That's important. That's something I never did. I I never did that. I mean, it was almost like (laughs) evangelicals won't say they believe that like once you're saved, you never have to repent again. Like no one will ever say that. You know, but that's that's how we But they'll live.
1: say you'll never have to do, you know, you'll never have to repent with a capital R. You exactly. know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. You can, like, you can be in the car and be like, I'm sorry, God. And, like, that's it. And, I mean, obviously, if you're sorry, like, that works. I'm not saying, like, got to break down
1: what, you. you got to break down what repentance is, right? And mm-hmm. from a different perspective, repentance is sorrow over your sin and faith that it is forgiven. And then that produces... The turning away from the sin that you are sorrowful over. Mm -hmm. So, and and I mean, so many, I can already see people already saying, well, Asbury, they were repenting, right? They were confessing, you know, they they were repenting. Didn't you see? No, I didn't. Because, (laughs) Because those two parts, contrition, sorrow over sin, and faith. Contrition comes from the law. Faith comes from the gospel, hearing the word of the gospel and i keep saying this if the gospel's not there faith isn't there so mm-hmm. you just have contrition it doesn't matter if they don't actually look sad right
0: mm-hmm. they don't
1: have the second aspect to their repent to complete their repentance they have nothing to put their faith in so now you don't have repentance i don't care if it looks like there's repentance theologically and spiritually there's not repentance going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Amen to that. And that's what we got. And, and like I said, we walk around and we don't repent. You know, there is no sitting like when, like Peter, I think Peter's a good example. You know, when, when God, when Jesus, Jesus came back, he went to Peter and he had, he went in depth, you know, when he redeemed Peter from his, um, from his um, denial of Christ you know peter had to repent and this was after the risen christ i mean peter was a follower of christ one of the 12 apostles and jesus went to him personally and they had a conversation you know they there there was repentance going on and like i said i think it's such a disservice that christians will walk around and you know they just won't sit down on their knees or wherever they are, and just really reflect and say like 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 I when I prayed the um the prayer in the Book of Common Prayer, and we're sitting there and you know we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And you just and you repent, you know, you, you repent on a daily basis. Yes, you are saved. We are not to let grace abound. That is specifically what the Bible says. Do not like grace of God is not like oh I am saved, so now you know oh I did something wrong, but you know, I'm saved. So I mean yeah, I'm sorry, but I don't really have to go. No, no, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And there is, yes, like like I believe you I think you said in one of our last um episodes, you said, you know, you are saved, you are being saved and you will be saved you know there is there is that moment you know i guess baptists would say you know the salvation moment which uh, well
1: i mean historically and traditionally it is baptism right that is, yeah. that is that yeah, is exactly capital s saved.
0: yeah yeah so there's baptism and then there is the eucharist <laughs> basically the Eucharist and, and faithfulness and, and dedication and like like Chronicles was saying, you know, humbling themselves and pray and seeking my face and turning from their wicked ways, which we have to do on a daily basis, because the flesh is the flesh and constantly goes the other way. So that is the walk of the Christian, being an example, loving our neighbor while, while handling our crap and bringing that to God. And then expectantly waiting to be resurrected with Christ with the church that is Christianity sorry it doesn't sound awesome which it really is awesome but in the standards of today you know it doesn't sound very awesome but yeah yeah. I think that's I think that's I think that really sums up Osbury you know I think it was I think I think Christianity has a long I Christianity needs to return to orthodoxy. It's like like it's like Arianism right now. I feel like I feel like Athanasius probably felt when Arianism was just wiping everything out. You know, you just see bishop after bishop after bishop fall and priest after priest after priest and church and and, and diocese after diocese. And I mean he had to probably sit there and be like, oh my gosh. Like really, like is this it? You know, and that's what it feels like. You know, you see, church, the Church of England approves the whole homosexuality You wants to have the pronouns and the time of prayer, and then you know the Southern Baptist Convention and the and the United Methodist Church. You know, the Lutherans and just everyone's infighting, and you just sit there. You just see the progressives getting stronger and stronger, and the Christians. My wife found something on TikTok. You ever heard of the the Queen Study Bible? Not the the Queen James Bible. Yes, I have. Yeah, <laughs> the Queen James Bible. I'm like, what? You know, yeah. it, it feels like Arianism, but it's really not. It's just Gnosticism. It's Gnosticism yep. revived, and hitting full throttle. <laughs>
1: That's the revival here. Revival mm-hmm. of Gnosticism and Asbury guys,
0: <laughs> dang. <laughs> but yeah, no. But yeah, do you have any concluding, concluding thoughts you'd like to say?
1: Um, I mean, I just reiterate the whole repentance thing. This that is that is the daily revival that we experience, and that's really the revival you experience in the liturgy just in an average divine service on sunday right and you were taken the liturgy guide holds your hand through repentance the entire way you get in there and the <clears throat> one of the first things you do is confess you do the corporate confession and then you receive the absolution all right you've just admitted your sin that you're sorrowful for there's contrition and now you've just given a promise you've heard the gospel of your forgiveness which you believe you've got that contrition and faith, you've just repented again. You you do it again in the hearing of the long gospel during the sermon. And then you do it again when you go up to receive the the Lord's Supper. When you're given the bread, take, eat this body which was broken for you. Why was it broken for me? Because I'm sinful. Take, drink this, this, uh, drink this cup which was shed for the forgiveness of your sins so you have that accusation that you're a sinner but at the same time that you're forgiven so you're repenting the entire way through the liturgy and you know that is true revival and, and it's not only revival but it's sustaining it sustains you through until the next week until the next and again uh, every every day every day of repentance Um, you know, we, we need to hear the gospel daily because we forget it. We need to hear the law daily because we forget we're sinners. So, you know, this is a daily boots on the ground, step-by-step kind of life Christians are living. And we Mm -hmm. don't, honestly, it's more detrimental to have these swells of charismaticism, because now the public eye looks at that and says, "That's Christianity." All right, that's what we need. And even just immature Christians will say, "This is Christianity. This is what we need to be doing all the time." And then, like we've been saying, they get the they get to the melancholy, and it's not so much fun anymore.
0: So, yeah, I think I'd like to just close it off too with uh, I think A. W. Tozer had a really good quote I saw when I was looking up. Um, quotes about it and he said have you noticed how much praying for revival has been going on of late and how little revival has resulted so i believe the problem is that we have been trying to substitute praying for obeying and it simply will not work and i i i think that's such a powerful statement i think that's true i growing up again i mean growing up in the baptist church i mean we pray for revival like daily i mean like every service it's like there's always it's almost like you know like our you know glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy ghost was in the beginning is now never shall be world without end amen you know like we say that all the time that's like the that's the baptist version and lord bring revival on this country and and, and, and i don't think there's anything wrong with praying for that but oh, oh, obeying is probably like in Second Chronicles 7, 14, he says, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. There is obedience in that formula. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive. I will heal. Like you take, you know, scenes in like Jeremiah and Isaiah, you know, whenever Israel would, you know, cry out to God and God would not hear them. Why? Because there wasn't obedience in there. You know, they were, they were crying out to God, but they didn't want to change. He sent them his prophets. He sent them what to do, but they did not want to do it, but they wanted God to save them from the the consequences of their actions. God's not going to do that. He's not that in Proverbs, he's, he talks about the husband and, and the husband and the wife, and he talks about how he will not hear the prayers of the husband. If he is, if he is mistreating the wife, that is biblical. You know why? Because there's not obedience there. He's not going, he doesn't want to hear what you have to say. God wants you to put your money where your mouth is. Repent. Well, the
1: thing is too, the thing mm-hmm. is too, the, I wouldn't say that it's the obedience that is gaining God's ear, but mm-hmm. it is the lack of obedience is an indication of a lack of faith right? Mm. Because God hears the prayer made in faith. So it's not, it's, and right, that's really when Jesus said he's going to send a comforter, he says, he will, he will convict the world of unrighteousness because they have not believed in me. So that lack of faith and unrighteousness are one, they they go together. We sin because we don't believe. If we believe everything that God told us was true, then we wouldn't be sinning, Right if we truly could believe it in our fallen state but disobedience is a lack of faith but right faith produces produces the good works so 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 yeah i mean god doesn't hear the he doesn't hear the prayer of the unrighteous as peter says and those on those that are qualified as unrighteous are those not joined to christ through faith mm-hmm. So
0: yeah. um, Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, thank you for coming back on again. It was good to have you to, to bounce this off of. I, I knew I had to talk about, I knew we had to talk about Osbury. I was almost
1: procrastinating. I was like, yeah.
0: <sighs> Do I have to?
1: <laughs> no, I mean it's there's a it's it's a much bigger conversation than just Asbury as we have as we've been unveiling, there's a lot mm-hmm. more that goes into it. And I think a lot of it is essential to be spoken on and identify. Um, so. yeah.
0: yeah, it comes from heresies. Like, you know, mis- misconceptions of the faith. Like what is actually repentance? Like what is what is actually worship? What mm-hmm. is the gospel? Like if you, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot of that, you know, Osbury is a culmination and this is the last thing I'll say on it, but at Osbury is a culmination of misconceptions of scripture, and it is an event that is being misconstrued, and it's a misconception of revival. Simple. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of Catacomb Theology. We hope you really enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Uh, next week, we're going to be continuing in the book that we're going through, the Heritage of Anglican Theology by J.I. Packer and then from there we have a couple of episode ideas uh, that we're kind of playing around with right now but definitely send us in recommendations uh, send us in ideas of what you guys would like to see covered and we will do our best to accommodate if you have any questions please just shoot us an email or text us on, um, on our Instagram and we will be very happy to answer any questions and to discuss these topics further with you guys until next week however um i pray you all have a blessed rest of your day and uh, i will see you in the coming week god bless